Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the radio stations around the country, or maybe you're catching us on commercialrealestateshow.com or iTunes. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we have a great show for you. We're going to talk about crowdfunding for commercial real estate. Now, the JOBS Act really opened up crowdfunding so that individual investors can go online now and invest in commercial real estate projects. It's really opening up the benefits of commercial real estate investing in both the debt side and the equity side to most every American or maybe in some cases people all over the world in U.S. real estate. There are some restrictions. Well, today we're going to talk about some of the some of those restrictions. We're going to talk about the trends there and the growth and how crowdfunding might work for you as either a sponsor, developer, a buyer of commercial real estate or an online investor, again, to get the benefits of commercial real estate in your investment portfolio. Well, please welcome my first guest is Brian Korn. He's a partner with Manat, Phelps, and Phillips. He joins us here in Studio One. Brian, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, appreciate it. And, and first of all, tell us, how did you get to become an expert in crowdfunding? How did you get here? Well, it's an interesting story. So I started my career as a securities lawyer, uh, really looking at uh, how people can raise capital under the restrictions that are available under the state and U.S. federal laws. Uh, did all sorts of uh, IPOs, high-yield debt offerings, and other transactions. Uh, then went in-house to Citigroup Global Markets and Barclays Bank uh, as a legal and compliance professional, uh, really focusing on what can we sell, where can we sell it, and with what materials. Uh, when the JOBS Act came out in 2012, it was really an eye-opener because it was the first time in about 20 years that the there was a fundamental change of the U.S. securities laws in what actually could be offered, not only to uh, high-yield and high-debt-worth investors, but also accredited investors and retail investors. It was real, a real sea change in 2012. And so I left uh, the bank and went back to uh, working for clients, and I'm now at Manat Phelps, where I'm chair of their digital finance and uh, marketplace lending practice group. Well, great. Well, it's an interesting path and kind of interesting topic, I think, when you think of investing in commercial real estate projects used to be kind of a a country club type thing, right? Uh, Sponsors or developers buying properties or developing, they had to have a personal relationship with someone to go ask or give them the opportunity to invest in their deal. And and now we can go out and virtually uh, ask anyone online to invest in these deals, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the, um, you know, the old restrictions which required you to have a pre-existing relationship with, uh, with the developer, with the sponsor mm-hmm. of the project, um, have been largely relaxed. Uh, we don't even have this concept of a 30-day cooling off period uh, anymore. And, uh, you know, caution, of course, still rules the day in terms of looking at opportunities. And there mm-hmm. should be a lot of uh, work done by the investor in terms of diligence and and review of the project, but uh, it is now less of a closed world in that you don't have to belong to that country club and you don't have to uh, know the right people to get into the right syndicates. Right, and you don't have to have 100000 or $500,000, right? You, some of these uh, platforms, you can come in as little as, as $5,000 and still be in a nice big commercial real estate project, either on the at equity or debt side, right? Yeah, no, that's right. The, these projects range in, in, in all shapes and sizes uh, in many ways you are investing 
in, in, in one-off entities. Uh, you'll have sponsors that are running the project. And the due diligence is really on the sponsor as much as it's on the property itself. Uh, and your relationship to the sponsor, what your, your veto rights are if you have any. Uh, but we've seen projects where you can invest uh, very small amounts of money uh, up to the hundreds of thousands or, or millions of dollars. Uh, and it's all being done now online. Even old line real estate investors are moving their platforms online because <laughs> of the ease of use, the ease of getting closings done, uh, the facilitation of investor documents through digital signatures. Uh, all of that has been highly evolved just in the last two to three years. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd think that this would continue to grow and become more popular as the investors get the benefits of, of, like you said, now they don't have to go out and find these projects and have the real expertise that the original sponsor has. They can ride those coattails, but yet they're getting some of the advantages of commercial real estate, right? The the leverage, the the depreciation, the the increase in rents, and, and having that benefit in commercial real estate that you have of inflation on a long-term investment really growing. And you, I think real estate also has that stability. You know, if you're looking at your portfolio and your stock portfolio and, and you see, see it going up and down and you look at real estate, well, you've got leases, you've got income, maybe it's not as volatile. So what do you expect about the growth? And, and really, how big is crowdfunding? It seems like it should be growing faster than it is. Yeah, so I think crowdfunding has been, you know, originally the, the, the goal of crowdfunding was we all work together towards a common goal and uh, $5 from uh, a lot of people adds up to a lot of money. Um, it has really been transformed now into an alternative investment space. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that crowdfunding is gonna grow uh, three to four times a year for the next three to four years. Uh, it has been growing steeper on the debt side. Uh, part of that is, as you mentioned, the appeal of a cash flow model. Uh, I know that I'm getting a check every month, and so uh, there's less volatility, there's less uncertainty about the project. Um, if you're investing in, in the equity of a project in a hotel or an office building uh, or a strip mall, uh, you, you have visibility in that you know that it exists, you can drive by it, it's a real asset, it's not a closed box business that you're not sure what they're doing or how profitable they're going to be. Um, but at the same time, there's more risk there in terms of uh, when your exit's going to be and for how much. Uh, generally, as a crowdfunded investor, you're going to have very little say in that aspect of it. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the, the benefit. You're not you're not in there screwing that up, right? You've got an expert, hopefully, that you've checked out the sponsor and, and they're making good decisions. And you're right, it's, it's not as, as liquid. And let's talk about some of the, the restrictions, right? And Because that seems to be kind of a moving model, right? So that so tell us if uh, the difference between what an accredited investor and a non-accredited investor uh, can put into deals and how sponsors can work with them. Okay, sure. So uh, at its core, commercial real estate investing is really investing in a securities offering. You're buying an offering of uh, usually an LLC interest in a newly formed company that's going to invest in this venture. Often in the real estate space, LLCs are formed just for the specific purpose of a project. Uh, in other ventures, in other areas of crowdfunding, you might have a multi-purpose LLC structure. Um, to invest in securities in the U.S., uh, you either have to have a public offering, which is registered with the SEC, or a private placement exemption. Uh, the most popular and most widely used private placement exemption is the unlimited offering exemption to accredited investors. Uh, an accredited investor 
using something that people may have heard of called Regulation D, which is an exemption from registration, uh, is an individual that has $200,000 of income in the past two years with the expectation of the same income in the current year, or a married couple with $300,000, or a net worth of $1 million, excluding the value of your primary residence. And that's, not, that's or, not and. That is or not and. Okay. And, uh, and, and a married couple, neither of whom comprise 200000 can combine for three hundred and meet uh, the requirements. Uh, and it's um, a regulation that goes back to the early 90s in terms of setting the limits of accredited investor. Uh, those numbers were bigger dollars back then uh, than they are now. But the SEC still estimates that about 92% of U.S. households or U.S. persons live in households that are not accredited. So we're really talking about um, a, a lot of people, but it's really the top 8% of earners or net worth uh, in the U.S. Now, as an accredited investor, uh, you can buy an unlimited amount of securities that are sold to you in a private placement. Um, there are two main forms of private placements coming out of the JOBS Act, uh, what we call the solicited private placement and the unsolicited. Uh, a solicited private placement is one where the sponsor or the person making the offer uses general advertising or broad solicitation. Uh, if you're talking about a website, you can see live deals without logging in. Uh, blast messages on live transactions are being sent to people who haven't signed up for email. And social media is being used to uh, broadcast projects. Those are examples of solicitation. If you solicit, you can only sell to accredited investors and you also have to take reasonable means of verifying that they actually are accredited. You can't just take their word for it. In the unsolicited model, so if you have a locked uh, website where you have somebody have to register and log in with a password, uh, you can advertise the, the website and the product, but you can't advertise live transactions. In that model, you don't have to verify that someone's an accredited investor. It's a little bit less costly that way. You can also sell to up to 35 non-accredited investors per project provided that those investors are provided a prospectus-style disclosure document. So it gives you a little bit more flexibility in who you can go out to. Uh, you don't have to pay the cost of verification or verify you're on your own. Uh, but at the same time, it might give you less flexibility in terms of marketing. Wow, that seems like it would really open up the, the floodgates on crowdfunding, and it should grow. We're going to talk about some more of the benefits for sponsors and investors. Stay with us. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit getvaluate.com. That's getvaluate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show, which during the breaks, do you know that we dance? No, we don't know. <laughs> we think about it though, right? Welcome back. Today we're talking about crowdfunding for commercial real estate. My guest is Brian Korn. He's a partner with Manette Phelps and Phillips. And we're going to share some tips with you for investors and for sponsors. And, and Brian, first of all, what are some of the key benefits for a sponsor to consider crowdfunding? 
So for the sponsors, it's really an opportunity to diversify their capital sources. Um, in most cases, we're still seeing, because of the time to close issues, uh, we're still seeing sponsors close deals before there's an opportunity to really syndicate it out to the crowd. But whereas a sponsor might have a, a few investment funds or traditional sidecar investors, um, the crowd really opens up uh, a lot of potential for uh, a sponsor to, to diversify its funding sources to the general public, uh, to people that, uh, that it doesn't know, uh, and to really build new relationships uh, nationwide and worldwide uh, that it would have to spend money uh, investing in if it were doing it the old-fashioned way on the, local, on the local basis. Okay. So if there's a sponsor out there watching or listening and they're considering, and, and we talk sponsors, we mean developers, people buying properties that are reaching out to the crowd for investors for, for some of the funding of that. When the sponsor is looking to at these crowdfunding platforms, uh, there's, oh, what, over 100 of them. What should they consider in determining which one they may want to use? Well, first of all, you want to look at a platform that has a track record. Uh, the JOBS Act is now uh, four years old. The private placement rules from the JOBS Act came out in late 2013. So uh, there are quite a few platforms out there that have significant track record. Not all platforms are equal. Some uh, don't even specialize in real estate. Many of the real estate platforms are specializing in residential or specializing in mortgage-backed. So take a look and really do a deep dive into the platforms. Uh, the leading commercial real estate platforms right now are, are platforms like Realty Mogul, Asset Avenue, um, and, and, and others. Uh, there are some that focus on, uh, on different types of asset classes, such as apartments or condos versus um, versus other types of, uh, of, of developments. And then uh, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call them. Uh, they're real people. Ask questions. Ask what the fees are. Uh, find out uh, what type of structure you can import into, uh, into the transaction. Can I form my own LLC and have my own management company that manages the crowdfund uh, LLC? Or is this going to be something that's structured on the platform side, and I'm really just the recipient of a check with no with no real management rights to that group? Because some of these platforms uh, will be really different than others, right? In how they work for the sponsor and yeah. for the investor. No, ab absolutely. Yeah. And uh, many of them, uh, you, you also have to look at how well they're capitalized. Mm -hmm. um, their investment, you're counting on them and their investor relations uh, team to do investor outreach and to maintain uh, adequate records uh, to be in compliance with broker-dealer rules if, if they apply. Uh, and in many cases, uh, you may have a group that is not as seasoned as you would pick uh, to, to run this type of process for you. Um, ultimately, it is going to be your responsibility as the sponsor of the property. Uh, and you may end up being the deep pocket at the end of the day uh, if it turns out a platform isn't doing its job properly uh, or they don't get funding in their next uh, Series A or Series B round and they end up going out of business. Yeah, that would not be good. Well, let's talk about some tips for the investor. So it's kind of nice now that uh, with some restrictions, most anyone uh, can invest in these nice commercial real estate projects with sometimes as little as $5,000. So what are some tips for investors? 
So investors, there's really two risks. Uh, the first is the actual risk of the investment in the property uh, and the sponsor group. And the second is investing in that platform and doing business with those So kind uh, of three things, the, the sponsor, the property, and the platform. Correct. And yeah. so when you go to a, a typical site for, for one of these projects, uh, you'll have information on the project. Uh, you want to do a deep dive into the financials, especially look at the projections. Look at what assumptions are being made about lease rates, about stacking plans. How long are the leases for the tenants that are currently in a, in a space? Are they, uh, are they all expiring at the same time? Are they all coming up due pretty soon? Uh, don't be afraid to pick up the phone again as an investor and ask questions. Uh, there are people who are there at the platforms uh, who are usually happy to take your call. If they're not happy to take your call, then that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, the platform will also talk about the track record of the sponsor and look at the sponsor's uh, record, look at their past transactions, look at what the IRRs and the returns have been uh, on these sponsors' deals that have gone through to maturity. Remember, when you invest in a commercial project online, uh, you are most likely going to be paying more fees than the sponsor is going to be paying for that project. The sponsor is probably charging you a fee to manage the project, so you want to look carefully uh, at the fee structure and compensation structure. Sometimes it's an appropriate fee because you're very passive and you're not coming in with the big check, uh, but also take a look at uh, what are the projected hold times. Uh, something that these sponsors have put out is, we expect this to be a five-year hold, but it could be a longer hold. And you won't know, and you won't generally have the right to say uh, when there's an exit or for how much. Uh, and so these are all uh, control issues that you have to be prepared to give up uh, somewhat to the sponsor. So in many ways, uh, diligence around the sponsor and the sponsor's track record and their, and their wherewithal to manage the investment uh, are just as important as, um, as, as the underlying property. How about skin in the game? How important is it to that online investor? And how much do they actually know about how much equity and cash the sponsor, the people that are actually controlling the asset, have in the deal? Yeah, so again, in a, in a well-structured uh, commercial real estate crowdfunding platform, uh, all of that should be laid out, uh, and, and not just uh, in embedded PDFs, but you should actually be able to go to the project page and, and pretty easily click down or scroll down uh, to a simplified version of, okay, this is a $30 million hotel. Uh, we are putting in 1.5 of that 30 million. Uh, the sponsors are, uh, are, are X and Y, uh, and uh, these are the fees we're gonna be paying, and this is the expected return, and these are the assumptions. And so uh, really being able to drill down on that information uh, is critical, and having uh, those resources is, is important. And again, don't be afraid to call and ask questions. Don't be afraid to call the sponsor. Uh, it's for the sponsor, from their perspective, uh, you should looking, you'd be looking at the crowd as a partnering opportunity, as a way of diversifying your capital away so you can fund future projects. Um, this is not a, an opportunity to sell and go away uh, or to sell through the project to the investor group. Uh, that's generally going to be a red flag for most investors if you don't have skin in the game. And there should be transparency around uh, how much of the project is being retained, the economic interest is being retained by the sponsor, and how much is going to the crowd. If it's more than half uh, going to the crowd or, or 75% of those very high numbers, uh, then you should, you should start to ask questions. Why isn't the sponsor incentivized to stay in the project through maturity? What, yeah. what is it about the project that... Uh, 
that they see that you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to spray and pray and, and just put a little money in all these deals, maybe you're not doing as much, you know, due diligence. But if you're putting, you know, $50,000 and that's a lot of money to you, and this should be a lot of money to anyone, you better do more due diligence, including understanding the, the project and, like you said, the sponsor and the submarket and what's going on there. And it's interesting to see how this is going to all work out in the, in the world because you're talking about investors who maybe aren't commercial real estate experts now investing in commercial real estate and and if it's like online gambling you know i see some people doing online gambling or buying real estate online and they'll pay a lot it's like they think they're betting in vegas you know it's it's amazing well brian thanks for joining us we appreciate you being on the show my pleasure thanks for having me well stay tuned we'll have more on crowdfunding for commercial real estate this is the commercial real estate show and i'm michael bull stay with us Are you interested in the senior housing industry? Well, you're invited to attend the third annual Interface Senior Housing Southeast Conference. It will be August 24th and 25th in Atlanta at the Westin Buckhead. For more information, visit CREshow.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking about crowdfunding. Please welcome my next guest. It's Jack Miller. He's co-founder of Quick Liquidity, and he's joining us on Skype. Jack, thanks for being with us. Michael, it's my pleasure. I couldn't think of any place I'd rather be than right now than with you well, and thank your you. audience. Well, thank you. And Jack, one of the issues with commercial real estate investing, and, and whether you're an investor as a a sponsor or an investor in crowdfunding is that it's not liquid, right? You're investing in this real estate and that the money may be tied up for many, many years. And if you're an investor in a crowdfunding deal, you might not have any say in that at all. What are you guys doing to rectify that issue? Michael, we recognize that real estate is really, I think, the best investment in the world. But one of the downsides is the, is your right, is the illiquidity of it. And things happen in life where you need your money. Uh, we've come up with, and we're one of the few buyers, I think one of the only buyers who will buy minority interests in stabilized real estate, either from an LP or a GP. So we've really been able to create liquidity that's not in the marketplace now. And so how does that work? So if I'm an investor and I invested online in a deal, maybe I put in $25,000, let's say, and and now I need money uh, to help my daughter go to college or I found an investment that I like, that I want to get into to privately, uh, how, how do I create liquidity with that? You call us, you go to our website, we'll take a look at the real estate investment, just like you would look at and evaluate any real estate investment. We also look at the general partner, the partnership agreement, the operating agreement, some of the history, and we make them an offer. Uh, just like any other property or any other real estate on the open market, except this is a little bit more complicated because it's a secondary market transaction. But we do the due diligence and we make the folks an offer on what we think the value is of it. Okay. And I guess there could be some situations where maybe my partnership interest is worth more than I paid for it. But typically I would think that if I'm, I'm going to have to discount my interest to create liquidity, what do you see in the real world? In the real world, we're seeing deals that people invested in 10, 20, some of them 25 years ago that they've gotten all of their money out of. So a lot of times when we see the deals, they're seasoned. So what we're giving them, they've already recouped their investment. 
So what we're giving them is really, I don't want to say a bonus, but is um, it, it's not it's not they're not losing on it. They're just selling at it at sometimes a small discount to the market just to be able to achieve that liquidity. Okay. Of course, if, some, if someone just invested in a deal, it may be different. But the average deal we're seeing is fairly oh, seasoned, what we call seasoned. Okay. So if I'm an investor, Jack, and I'm looking at different crowdfunding portals, how do I know which crowdfunding deal that I go into or which portal I use might let me sell my interest like this to you? Uh, you have to ask, I don't know if it's portal by portal basis or if it's the sponsors, but one of the things we look at and one of the things investors should look at is in the operating agreement, it would say if they can transfer their interest or if it requires the general partner's consent to do it. So they need to do their due diligence in the partnership agreement and just not sign away because that's critical. Right. And you would think that if you're a sponsor or a platform uh, that you'd want to have as, as flexible as possible as you can the ability for a limited partner investing online in your deal to create liquidity through a company like yours because that's one of the problems of investing in real estate or, or, or perceived problems, right, is the lack of liquidity. Yeah, we we really see a mixed bag. Some of them open it and really welcome us because we're very passive investors. We buy it, we write the check, and we sit back and shut up. But on the same token, there are some sponsors out there who want to buy it themselves. So what they'll do is they'll make it restrictive for the investor in the hopes that the only person they can sell it back to is the GP at a substantial discount. If they're captive, if they're the only buyer. It, they, they really call the market, where we provide really a true arm's length valuation of it. If you could give one tip to investors investing in crowdfunding, what would it be? Uh, it's Real estate is a great investment, but it's a long-term investment. Uh, don't think you're going to get rich quick. I, I use uh, Warren Buffett's line, get rich slow, mm -hmm. um, and be prepared for that. And look at the documents. Read very carefully. See what the GP is charging. Make sure they have something some skin in the game. Don't just write checks blindly. I see a lot of these crowdfunding sites, and a lot of them are good, but the ones that draw the most investment, the ones who have the highest yields, those yields are just projected yields and have really nothing to do with what the reality will be. So just proceed with caution like any other investment. Right. So our listeners and viewers are already calling you. Look at that. They're, <laughs> they're already burning yeah, up your yeah, phone. Yeah, I apologize. My phone's in the background. I should have put it on mute. What is your uh, website? Uh, quickliquidity.com. All right. Well, Jack, thanks for joining us on the show today. We appreciate you being with us. Mike, thanks, and keep up the good work. You're doing a great service to real estate investors every day of the week, and we appreciate it. Well, great. Thank you, Jack. And, uh, Take care. Stay tuned. We're going to have more on crowdfunding. You know, this is a, a great topic, uh, crowdfunding, because for our show listeners, what a better way, if you're investing in commercial real estate, to know what's going on, the forecast, the trends, and great strategies. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. For requests, assumptions, consulting, and restructuring, call First Service Solutions at 817-756-7227. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about crowdfunding, what I think is one of the most exciting 
subjects in commercial real estate. Please welcome my next guest is David Kessler. He's National Director of Real Estate Industry Practice at Cone Resnick. David, thanks for joining us on Skype today. Hey, Michael. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And David, you are working with a lot of different entities around the country, including some of these crowdfunding companies. So how are these crowdfunding companies evolving today, especially when it comes to commercial real estate? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I think it's fascinating um, seeing what's happening within the commercial real estate space with the crowdfunding platforms. Uh, when they first came about, the crowdfunders were typically a technology-based format that would provide opportunities for individual investors as well as institutions, but primarily individual investors with uh, investment opportunities within commercial real estate. And it could be anything from a retail site, an apartment building, um, a, a small office building. And typically the raises were anywhere from you know one to, to $3 million. And it would provide access to the you know, regular um, everyday people into direct real estate investments and we're seeing a lot of activity with um, both sponsors and investors connect through this platform. And are these all these uh, opportunities for investors to invest in these deals, are they all property specific or are some of them more uh, discretionary fund based? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. And it started out property specific. So you or I could... Um, be sponsors. Let's say we found a, um, a retail site. We're going to uh, redevelop it, retenant it, and we're looking for you know a million dollars of uh, of capital. We would post our uh, um, uh, uh, documents, our background, our history on a crowdfunding site. We'd enter into an agreement with them. Uh, they would take a fee, and we would get access to investors directly. And the interesting thing is of um, uh, 10 or 30 or 40 different real estate deals on the site, I as an investor can log in, look, um, you know, I happen to like this particular city, this location. I may live there near there. I may have relatives near there. I like the deal. I like what I see in the sponsors and I could request more information directly from them. So I'm dealing directly with somebody who's a sponsor of a real estate project and um, what's happened now is the crowdfunding groups have launched Reg A Plus Tier 1 or 2 offerings, and they're raising discretionary funds up to a $50 million uh, ceiling under the Reg A Plus um, uh, environment. And that you know, allows them to invest in deals and allows investors to invest in a, in, a, in a broad pool of deals, so not necessarily one particular uh, real estate deal. Okay, so now the investor's banking on on that sponsor, on that fund, and it's totally discretionary, so there's really no particular project for them to check out, right? Yeah, in that case, there's no particular project because you're relying on the, um, the sponsor of the fund, which is the uh, crowdfunding group, to uh, pick the deals that fit. And, you know, within the PPM of the fund, there's criteria and there's um, 
ceilings and caps and concentrations. Uh, you know, so not all 50 million is going to go in one deal. Some of them are split hybrid um, with loan investments as well as equity investments, and some are just specifically equity investments or loan investments. All right. Well, let's talk about timing there. If I'm an investor investing online in crowdfunding, I'm going into a fund, then there's not really a, a time that property is, is refinanced or sold that I'd get my equity back. So uh, talk to us about liquidity in these types of deals. Yeah, a little bit different um, on l- the liquidity side. Um, a lot of the funds have um, redemption rights similar to an open-end fund Um, however there's restrictions tied to the redemptions um, over certain time periods uh, and certain concentrations relative to the total value of the fund so there can't be a a run on the bank um, uh, as a for instance so there's there are liquidity uh, provisions but um, it's not a hundred percent liquid as you would you know, find in um, an open-end fund or, um, you know, through investing in a mutual fund or or CDs. But the interesting thing is there's not a lot of places to generate the types of returns that income-producing real estate properties can provide. And now there's opportunities. So if I'm an investor, um, I'm young, I've got a little bit of money saved, um, I'm going to go into a, a stock index fund or mutual fund or, you know, at the, at the highest liquidity, you know, a um, 0.9% CD. Now I'm provided with an opportunity for um, an 8% preferred return, current pay with uh, an upside that could be, uh, you know, 15 or 18 IRR. So it's a little more appealing. Yeah, I, I'm a student of commercial real estate and I guess uh, a fan uh, being host of the commercial real estate show. So it's good to, to see these portals where individual investors with small amounts of money can invest. And we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to David Kessler again. We're going to talk to him about can you 1031 in or out of these properties? That's one of the benefits of investing in commercial real estate, severally at least, is that in a lot of cases you can do a 1031 and defer the taxes on the gain. Can you do that? One of the other benefits of commercial real estate is the depreciation, right? The write down of the interest and the depreciation of the property and shelter some income. So we're going to ask David these questions after this short break. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll have more on crowdfunding right after this break. Thanks for being with us. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about crowdfunding. We have David Kessel with us. He's the National Director of Real Estate Industry Practice with the accounting firm of Cone Resnick. He's joining us on Skype. And David, one of the benefits to investing in commercial real estate is the, the possibility of using the 1031 exchange to defer taxes, to reinvest into other properties, and, and create uh, a lot of benefits there. Is there any way that investors investing in crowdfunding can 1031 in or out of those deals? 
Yeah, Michael, it's uh, most likely not a situation that would work for a 1031 exchange since the investment most likely would be in a partnership interest or an LLC interest. And those interests aren't qualifying under 1031 as exchange property. Uh, so it probably would not work. The best thing for a 1031 would most likely be um, a Delaware statutory trust known as a DST or, or take interest, uh, absent owning the whole property and uh, exchanging it for another property. Okay. And what about the tax benefits of owning commercial real estate? That's obviously another benefit to be able to depreciate the improvements and to write up the interest on the on the mortgages. If you're an investor online in crowdfunding, whether it's a property-specific investment or a kind of discretionary, more open fund, do you as an investor get some of those tax benefits? Um, that's a great question. With a uh, direct investment in the real estate property, such as um, a, a, an investment in um, an apartment building, a retail building, an office building, the investor would get their pro rata share of the depreciation. Uh, for residential, it's 27 and a half years. Commercial properties, 39 years. And in every property, there's some component of personal property, which is five, seven, or 15 years. And that would be allocated to the investor on their K-1, and they would be able to benefit from the uh, depreciation deductions. In an open-end fund setting, uh, it could be a little different depending upon the structure of the fund where it's, um, if it's a debt investment, uh, most likely you're not uh, getting the depreciation uh, adjustment and you're going to be receiving a um, 1099 um, uh, income uh, from interest uh, attribution. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And before we let you go, I can't escape this question when I have the National Director of Real Estate for Cone Resnick. Is, is there any specific things a sponsor or an investor should consider uh, related to accounting when they're setting up their entities to, to do these crowdfunding deals? Um, you know, from a, the standpoint of the of the sponsor, you know, I think you want to have an LLC um, is probably the best solution uh, when you're setting this up. From the standpoint uh, of an investor, um, most likely you're going to be receiving um, a K-1. And the one thing to look out for is what your personal situation is. Uh, because of depreciation and some of the other attributes from the investment, it's quite possible that you're going to be in alternative minimum tax or have some of the depreciation deductions disallowed depending upon your personal situation and the basis in the property. So you want to get a tax advisor involved in understanding whether you can utilize those deductions. Okay, so it may be better off going in it personally or maybe setting up a specific entity and you just got to look at your own personal situation. Well, David, thanks for joining us on Skype today. We appreciate you being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. 
And thank you out there for checking out our show on YouTube, iTunes, the show website, or maybe you're listening on one of the radio stations around the country. We appreciate you being with us. If you'd like to know more about crowdfunding, we'll have some links on the show website at CREshow.com. And please join us next week. We're going to have a show called Associations That Matter. We'll have some associations like ICSC and CCIM talking about the benefits and how they can benefit you as a commercial real estate practitioner. Till next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Valuate. Easily share what-if analysis with colleagues online. And First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. For more information on how these businesses may be of service to you, visit CREshow.com.